Hello everyone, thank you for tuning in to Point of Insanity Game Studios Geekery in General Podcast. I am Al, and today it's time for another quickie. Before I get into today's topic, the elements, I'd like to tell you what made me think about covering this topic. There is a show that I've started getting into on YouTube, uh, Pro Jared, and I highly recommend you check out his stuff if you haven't had the chance yet. Sometimes he talks about games like, he, I know he's done Dungeons and Dragons episodes, and he's also talked about Magic the Gathering. Sometimes he talks about movies, but he's got a lot of episodes he's talked about games. Sometimes he covers classic or retro games. Sometimes he covers more modern games. And the thing that made me want to talk about this topic is he did a review of Quest 64 probably the first or one of the first role-playing games released for the Nintendo 64. And one of the things he did in there is he talked about the plot of the game revolved around you finding four elemental crystals. And when he mentioned that, and I've seen him do it on one other episode when he was talking about Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, but in, in Quest 64, he's like, Gee, an epic RPG where you have to collect four elemental crystals or four elemental treasures. Where have I seen that before? And then he gets this sarcastic look on his face, and he holds up a copy of Final Fantasy for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Which got me to thinking. First, this idea of integrating the elements into forms of pop culture certainly not limited to video games, and we'll discuss that in just a moment. But it made me think, why do a lot of games have something to do with the elements, either as a foundation for the magic system, or as some force that drives the plot? Now, the idea of the four classic elements, air, fire, earth, water, it's an ancient idea. It goes back to the Greeks, though it was also present in many other ancient cultures as well, in like Egypt, Japan, China, and uh, the other parts of the Orient. So some cultures, though, didn't just limit it to four elements. They added a fifth element. And this fifth element was usually referred to as sky or heaven or... Uh, void, and we'll get to that in just a moment here. Now, one example of a five-element theory is in Chinese philosophy. They had fire, earth, water, wood, and metal, and it was said that the these elements they they complemented each other. They formed a star where it generated each element generated another element, but overcame another. For example, when we look at an element generating or creating another, wood feeds fire, fire creates earth in the form of ash, earth bears metal, metal collects water, water nourishes wood. When you look at the elements overcoming each other, wood parts the earth, earth absorbs the water, water quenches fire, fire melts metal, and metal chops wood. Now, the idea of this fifth element is also present in 
Japan as well. And specifically, my major experience or the thing that got me thinking about that was a work called The Book of Five Rings by the famous uh, samurai Miyamoto Musashi. And in The Book of Five Rings, there was the Book of Earth, and this represented leadership and training, water, which discussed some of Musashi's own personal style, fire, which dealt with issues of timing and battle, wind, which deals with other styles of fighting or other martial arts, and void, which I'll get to later. Now, when we're looking at the Greeks, Aristotle is credited with coming up with the idea of the fifth element, ether. And as I said, it's sometimes referred to as spirit, sky, space, or heaven. Now, the four elements, they represent earthly elements that we can see, we can feel, you know, we can experience these, you know, we can walk upon, we can feel the earth, we can go into a body of water, we breathe the air, and fire, well, we get heat from it, we experience the heat and light from fire, as well as, well, if you obviously put your hand in fire or on something hot, you're going to burn yourself. Now, that fifth element, sometimes referred to as sky or heaven, that represented something beyond the physical world, something that was uncorruptible and unchanging. And perhaps this comes from the notion of ancient people looking upon the sky and seeing how everything was kind of clockwork and unchanging. You know, every day, the sun rising in the east, setting in the west, the moon following suit, and, you know, they always moved in their set patterns, and the stars, they had their own ways that they also moved. Now, as we get into some of the more philosophical or alchemical, alchemical, well, alchemy, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that correctly, but alchemical ways to interpret these elements, in some philosophies, the four elements were seen as components of the human body. And depending on the belief system, sometimes the body separated into these elements after death. Now, as far as the four classical elements, usually they're seen as representing various things. Earth represents usually heaviness and matter. Water represents emotion and intuition. Fire represents energy, passion, and I suppose you could also say destruction as well. And then air often represents inspiration and purity. Now, these ideas would eventually work their way into, as I said before, medieval alchemy as well as Western astrology. Uh, in Western astrology, the 12 signs of the zodiac uh, each fall into one of the four elemental categories. Now, these would also work their way into pop culture, not just video games, but also role-playing games and literature as well. Now, just to take a brief look at some of the ways that the four elements have inspired popular culture, there's the cartoon Captain Planet, where you've got the four elements plus heart, which you could say represents spirit or heaven or sky. Now, the classical Chinese five elements, they actually made their way into the series Voltron, where you could see each of the lions representative of one of these elements. The black lion, well, he comes from deep within the earth, so you could see him as representing metal. 
The red lion is kept in the heart of a volcano, so fire. The green lion is stored under a forest, so he represents wood. The blue lion, of course, is underwater, so uh, he represents water. And then finally, the yellow lion is stored in a desert, so that represents earth. Harry Potter, I've heard some people refer to the, or think that the four schools could each be representative of an element, with Gryffindor representing fire, Ravenclaw representing air, Hufflepuff representing the earth, and Slytherin representing water. Of course, Magic the Gathering is another place where we see the four elements, as well as black, which, mm, not sure I would necessarily refer to that as being sky or spirit, but, you know, death or entropy. Now, when we talk about Dungeons and Dragons, you, of course, you had your four elements. Those were those were present even in basic D&D, and then as the, the, the game progressed, it started to introduce other elemental creatures like water weirds, salamanders, sylphs, and sandlings. Now, video games, they often found ways to implement the four elements a little bit differently. Usually, instead of water, we have ice, and instead of air, lightning. So, in a lot of role-playing games, usually if there's going to be elemental spells, the most common ones are fire, ice, and lightning. Though, usually earth-based spells like quake or petrify, those are usually higher in level and a lot more powerful than your basic fire, ice, and lightning attacks. Now, the idea of elemental crystals played a very important role in four of the first five Final Fantasy games. Now, in Final Fantasy I, you have to defeat the four elemental fiends, and then you had the crystal that you had to re-energize, I guess you could say. Uh, And then Final Fantasy II, crystals and elements didn't really play as much of a role in that game. In Final Fantasy III, I know that one did involve the crystals, but since I haven't played that one, I'm not exactly sure how it's implemented. Uh, Final Fantasy IV, it was very important as well because you had the four elemental fiends that appeared in that game and you had to defeat them. And of course, you had to, the game revolved around recovering these crystals. Final Fantasy V, I know that crystals and elements do play a role in that particular game, but since I haven't played it, I'm not exactly sure how it's implemented in there as well. But why? Why do game developers use the four elements in their games? Now, I think there's a few reasons why. First, this idea of the four elements, it's easy to understand, and If you didn't learn about it by growing up watching Captain Planet or reading the Harry Potter books, you can still understand that these are four elements that we experience. You know, as I said before, we breathe air. You walk upon the earth. You can gather around a fire for warmth. You can, you know, go into a bathtub and submerge yourself in water. Go into a body of water. Now, I think they also can be very helpful for driving the plot. And again, we see that in some of those Final Fantasy games and, well, just about any role-playing game where you have to find certain treasures. 
that's an idea that even goes before the Final Fantasy games. I mean, remember Legend of Zelda. That game required you to find the different pieces of the Triforce. So it's something that is used to keep the player invested in the adventure as well as giving a direction of where you have to go in the game. Another reason that we see these implemented in role-playing games, I think, is because it can work into the game mechanics as well. Now, if you're just using the four classic elements, you could put them in a square. So you could say that each element has an opposite. So how might you use that? Well, you could say that, for example, uh, a fire creature takes extra damage from water attacks. But maybe you decide that, you know, it's not going to take as much damage from earth, but, and it might take normal damage from air, and of course take no damage from fire, or even absorb that type of damage. But I mentioned before that there is this notion, this idea of a fifth element. Why is this element usually ignored? This is just a guess, but I think that some of the game designers back then, they probably, well, assuming they were familiar with the idea of that fifth element, you know, whether you want to call it ether or, you know, spirit or heaven or sky, they probably, they may have felt that that idea was too esoteric for the audiences that they were making these games for. Though, you could almost say that, at least in some of the Final Fantasy games, the idea of that fifth element was present, it was just implemented differently. Because, to go to Final Fantasy 1, for example, each of the four elemental fiends, you have to go to a, a, a location that makes sense regarding their element. For example, to fight the the first fiend, the fiend of Earth, Lich, you have to go deep into the Earth. To fight the Fire Fiend, I think her name was Carrie, I'm not sure, but uh, in order to fight that fiend, you had to go into a volcano. To fight Kraken, the Fiend of Water, you had to go under the ocean. And to fight Tiamat, the Fiend of the Air, you had to go into a floating city. But after you defeat those four elements, the game isn't over, because you have to go back in time. And you go to the temple where you first started at at the beginning of the game, where you defeated Garland, and then you go back in time to defeat him as Chaos. So that's where I can see the idea of something beyond the four classic elements, that fifth element really being implemented in the game. Same thing when we're talking about Final Fantasy IV. Now, in this particular game, after you fight the four uh, elemental archfiends, in this case, the fifth element that you go to, that, that you could say is represented by the moon. Again, it's in the sky, it's in the heavens. So maybe it wasn't necessarily implemented the way that most people would think about it. You had to kind of be aware of that whole esoteric idea of the fifth element being something that is beyond the mundane. Now, I mentioned before I was talking about Miyamoto Musashi's Book of Five Rings, and the fifth book in that is called The Book of the Void. Now, the way that you understand that is the void is learning to perceive things that cannot be seen or understood. As he put it in the book, in the void is virtue, 
no evil. Wisdom has existence. Principle has existence. The way has existence. Spirit is nothingness. And, you know, it kind of relates to the whole, one of the, the main beliefs in Buddhism. They believe in reincarnation, similar to Hinduism. But one of the things that makes Buddhism different from Hinduism is that unlike Hinduism where they believe that you have to go through many lives, you have to be reborn, reincarnated many times before you escape that cycle of birth, life, death, and rebirth, Buddhists believe that it was possible to go through all your bad karma and to achieve an enlightened state in one lifetime. And when uh, I was reading that text from the Book of Five Rings, where it's talking about spirit is nothingness, that's what made me think about that, because Buddhism believes in the concept of nirvana, which is, essentially the term means something to the effect of snuffing out or extinguishing, like you would uh, blow out a candle. And that's because when you finally reached nirvana, you've reached the point where you, you've, you've achieved liberation from the cycle of birth, life, death, and rebirth. So I just thought that was kind of fascinating. I don't know offhand if uh, Musashi was a practicing Buddhist or if he followed a Shinto or a, a different religion. It's been a while since I've read the Book of Five Rings, but I believe he does mention a Buddhism in that book. So I think he may have been a Buddhist, but I'm not, not exactly sure on that. So th- that's just a thought I had. And like I said, I, I think the elements, it's something that you're going to see in video games, role-playing, uh, popular culture, fiction for a long time, because it is this concept that we can understand and we can relate to. And like I said, not just the four classic elements, but you know, we've even seen some situations where we could argue that the fifth element was taken in place in there as well, or it was factored into those those games as well. So with that said, thanks for joining me and have a good evening or morning or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are, and happy gaming. <laughs>